Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Mary Toko. We recently met at the Freedoms Law School and she gave a she gave a speech about her book and she currently has a DVD series. She can tell you all about it. So she it was a concerned mom and she started diving into, you know, more traditional vaccines. So not, you know, what's going on now. So she's really been kind of deep in this research for a really long time. And she had really, really fascinating things to say. So I am excited to bring her here and share her with you. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Courtney. Thank you. Um, it's, so, yeah, it's an honor to be with you. Give us a little bit of a, a background <laughs> on you, your history, and uh, give a bio that does more justice to you than I do. <laughs> sure. So often people will say to me, Mary, why did you research vaccines? Mm-hmm. Or do you have a vaccine injured child? And the answer is, no, I don't have a vaccine injured child. Um, I started learning about the dangers of vaccines back in 1978 and 79, long time ago, before I had my first child. And I have five grown children. Uh, my oldest is Dr. Renee Hunter, and she is actually going to be 42 this year. So I started researching before having children. I was married to the father of my five children, Dr. Sam Toko, who's a chiropractor in Michigan. And in his school, they were discussing this whole issue of the immune system versus vaccination. And so we really had an opportunity to digest and dissect it all to figure out what's going on. I mean, I got a couple vaccines as a child. Mm-hmm. I'm one of 11 children. My mother gave us a few. Um, I believe I had the smallpox vaccine. I know I had the polio sugar Cuban kindergarten. And then I think I had a tetanus vaccine because I stepped on a nail. So I had a couple, but I really didn't know much about it. And so as we were learning about this, the difference between natural immunity and artificial attempts of immunity, we came to the conclusion that vaccinations were dangerous and that we were not going to use them on our children. And we ended up having five children. And not only did we not use vaccinations, but we really, really embraced natural holistic healthcare. And I, having a very large family, had to learn how to defend my decisions to all my brothers and sisters who were also having all these babies. And so I found when I had my second and third child, 
that a lot of family members were questioning the way we were raising them. Um, it was common to be sitting around the Thanksgiving table with like 30 or 40 of us mm -hmm. and someone saying, so, oh, are you going to you know, have your baby at a hospital this time? And I'd be like, no, I'm having a home birth. And they would be like, why would you take a risk with your child's life and have a home birth? Right. And so I learned to defend my, you know, our decisions very well. Sure. And that was like my boot camp. Because then I found that all of my peers, mm -hmm. the ladies at church, all of my friends having babies, that they all gave vaccinations without question. And my family, some of my family opted to not vaccinate mm -hmm. and got really involved in the research like I did. Mm -hmm. And then a few of them opted to vaccinate. And we were able to see that the children that were vaccinated had the allergies, had the gut problems, had maybe a little bit of hyperactivity. And this was like in the 80s before autism was even a thing. Right. And so we knew that our unvaccinated children were healthier. I saw it in my church. I saw it all around me that those kids that were on antibiotics and had chronic ear infections, had asthma, were on formula, wouldn't nurse their mom, whatever it was, right. it was a vaccinated child. Wow. So that began my research. And then I became a public speaker in 1995. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, actually went um, before a committee in Michigan, our health committee, and I defended our right to choose whether or not we wanted to vaccinate. I was part of a group called Michigan Opposing Mandatory Vaccines. Mm -hmm. I was the director of research and education. Okay. And I, like I said, I testified and I saw that, you know, this committee knew nothing about vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And it was powerful because we actually stopped a bill from passing that would remove our philosophical exemption. Wow. Yeah. And I realized this is important. This is people don't know what they're injecting. They don't understand how vaccines are made because they've never been taught to question it. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that began my public lecturing. Uh, by that time, my husband had a chiropractic clinic. We were seeing a lot of parents and children. And, and I just was really, really compelled to start sharing my research and information. And then I began to get invited to chiropractic conferences mm. around the country. And then, and then autism took off. And I knew it was directly related to the vaccines. There was no doubt in my mind because right. there's a correlation between when they increase the number of vaccines and the autism. And so you could see this direct correlation. And um, when you're injecting toxins into babies, that get into the brain, you cannot expect to not have issues. Right. And so that's really when it took off for me. I started, I started speaking around the whole country, all over Canada. Um, I've done, I don't know, thousands of radio shows and podcasts, um, even from other countries. My D, I had a, my first DVD in 2006 called Our Vaccine Safe. And that was sent all over the world and actually translated into other languages. Mm -hmm. And then I had a radio show from uh, 2012 until 2016 called Healing Our World. And it was a satellite internet 
um, and also um, land-based radio show out of uh, Austin, Texas through Republic Broadcasting Network. So then I got my feet wet in being a radio host, which I just loved. Mm -hmm. But that opened the door to a lot more because now I'm interviewing doctors and researchers and specialists and authors and producers. And, you know, I got to meet all hundreds of you know, top leading experts in many, many different topics. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like my background. And then, of course, I went full, um, uh, full, you know, full speed ahead with um, public lectures in uh, between 2005 and six and seven, all the way up until COVID hit. Uh, that's what I did. I was doing a lot of lectures. Wow, that's amazing. What, um, I guess, let's take you back. What, what I think would be really interesting for people is uh, to learn a little bit about what you discovered and, you know, that kind of the rabbit hole and the experience and, you know, that journey. And then maybe we can lead up a little bit to what's going on now in the current uh, milieu, if you will. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So I know that this, there's a silver lining to what's going on now. Mm -hmm. The silver lining is that people are finally questioning the CDC, finally questioning the whole vaccine topic, um, finally distrusting the FDA. And they're seeing the political push to um, take an experimental injection and force it on anybody and everybody. And so people are waking up. Uh, this has been very good for me in that I'm reaching more people now than I have in many years. And the, my audiences are not only just waking up to this whole issue of toxic shots, but toxic medicine and you know a toxic healthcare system. Right. And so it's been really, really good in that people are asking a lot of questions. Now, I will say that I have seen thousands die from the treatment we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've heard of hundreds and hundreds of loved ones who have died in hospitals, uh, probably not necessarily, probably because you know, the hospitals have signed on to the CARES Act um, mm -hmm. and are doing protocols that are not meant to save lives. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother radio show um, but, or Zoom call. But I'm seeing, I'm seeing a, a lot of people waking up. And so this is good. Um, the great awakening, not the great reset. <laughs> That's my you hope. Know, it really, it is. And unfortunately, many, 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 many people are going to die. And many thousands have died. But, you know, it takes a war to wake people up sometimes. And we are in the middle of a war. This war is an active war against our freedom, against our freedom of speech. Um, we're being censored, as you know. We're being um, shut down. All my YouTube I had dozens and dozens of, of videos of my live lectures on YouTube that people put up. They're all gone. My YouTube page has been shut down. Um, I've been shut out of Facebook multiple times. And um, just so people know, you can find me on Telegram, like Great. I found you. Telegram is the one spot at this moment where we can freely put out what we want to say. Yeah. And my Telegram is Mary Toko info page. And um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Toco, T-O-C-C-O. -C -C -O. So if you look up Mary Toco info page, 
because it's not just about vaccines, it's about natural health care and other things going on throughout the world. Which is awesome. So, but I, um, the first thing that I learned about the whole vax issue was the toxic ingredients. Yeah. And back then we were using a form of ethyl mercury called thimerosal. Uh, for those of you who want to take notes, um, all vaccines contain adjuvants. Mm-hmm. And it's A-D-J-U-V-A-N-T-S. Adjuvants are needed because they cause an ongoing reaction within the immune system. Without adjuvants, they're ineffective. The body would simply get rid of whatever's being injected, eliminate it. It would be stressful, but nonetheless, adjuvants cause an ongoing reaction within the immune system and it turbocharges it so Mm -hmm. that it's not just a short reaction, it's a long-term several day reaction in the human body, which is not a good thing. So adjuvants are probably the number one concern because if you knew what you were injecting into your babies, the day they're born, I believe you would never, ever, ever consider doing a vaccine. And so we can get into some of that, but that was the first thing that I learned was that what we inject into the human body, number one, it's never been studied. When they say vaccines are studied and safe, they're not. There's no studies done on any of these injections as to how it affects your organs, your tissues, your cells, your brain, none. The only thing they studied throughout all of their so-called safety studies is called the local injection site. They observe where you get injected for a very short period of time. And, oh yeah, there's going to be swelling and there's going to be soreness and it may puff up and some people might get a boil, whatever, but that's the only thing they've ever studied. And when you think about what we're doing to these infants, we're injecting products that are made in laboratories. They're bioengineered. They're not viruses or bacteria you would find in nature. They're not things you would normally be exposed to gradually. These are bioengineered, scientifically man-made infectious agents that our body, it's amazing that our body is able to even cope and deal with it, to be honest with you. So I think the biggest thing is as parents, if you've if you've already injected your children, please know that I'm not trying to make you feel bad. My goal is not to beat you up. If you're a a doctor, a nurse, and you happen to catch this webinar, um, just know that everything that I share, I can back up with solid medical scientific documentation. This is not based on my opinion. I don't have any big pharmaceutical company or big organization behind me. I wish I did, okay? (laughs) Because if I did, I could do a lot more. Sure. But, but I, I've always, this has just been something that I've been passionate about for over 40 years and everything that I've accomplished, it's been by my own sheer determination, energy, and my passion and by God's grace. So I have nothing to gain other than sharing information with people. And yeah, I sell my DVD and I sell my book, but guess what? This researcher 
who's been researching for over 40 years will never get compensated appropriately for what I've done. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I do it for other reasons. Yeah. I do it because I care. I care about children and I care about families. And, and I see humanity. that there's the future humanity. Absolutely. And I see that there's an agenda out there to yeah. destroy the family, yeah. to destroy the children. And so I just do it. I believe it's what God called me to do. And um, I'm a Christian, for those of you who might have figured that out. I answer to God. And when you put something so heavy on my heart, when I was a, a, a mother of, of three young ones, and then that's when I started doing my public lecturing, I ended up with five. When he put it so heavy on my heart, I could not stop. Right. Because every time I saw a baby at the grocery store, at church, out in a park, at the beach, I always had to say something to mom or dad. Because I feel like God gave me this knowledge and I am so very blessed to have it because I didn't vaccinate my five children. I know if I would have, I would have had some, at least two of my children would have severely injured from vaccines. There's no doubt in my mind. What so I'm you, grateful. What do you mean? Is it your research that makes you say that? Or is there like a, something uh, specific that makes you say that two of them? Yes, were? something specific. So yeah. I had my five children born naturally, birthed mm -hmm. naturally, four of them born at home. We mm -hmm. didn't do any shots. We didn't do any medication. Mm -hmm. um, I, I never had a pediatrician. Wow. <laughs> oh no. When, when you understand the role of the pediatrician is to indoctrinate you and your children into a lifelong dependency on medication and drugs. No, we, we refuse to go to a pediatrician. There's no law that says you have to have a pediatrician. In fact, I encourage parents to become like your own physician because you know when your baby's well, you know when they're fussy, you know why they're crying. Right. Sometimes it takes a while to figure it out, but we know when they have a tummy ache or when they have gas, we know when <clears throat> they, they begin to do things. You know, We have to learn to trust our own motherly instincts again because when you go to a doctor, <clears throat> basically, and hand your baby over to them, their job is to vaccinate. The tools in their tool belt are drugs. Right. They don't know and understand their natural immune system. They don't learn about it in school. And that's a fact. So I, I encourage people, in my book, I go into great detail. This book was written for young families on, on our immune system and how amazing it is and how powerful it is. And, you know, as a Christian, I believe that God didn't make a mistake when he created human beings. Mm -hmm. The animals, they all live in the wild without vaccines. <laughs> they all have innate wisdom. Mm -hmm. They have innate knowledge. You know, when they're created, they know exactly how to take care of themselves. Right. Um, we have in us innate wisdom, innate knowledge. Our bodies know how to run a fever when it needs to. They know how to kick a rash out when it needs to, or have diarrhea when it needs to, or yeah. throw up when it needs to. And yeah. we assume that we know better than our human body. Yeah. Yeah. We I do. Mean, think about it. Um, trees know when to drop their leaves. They know when to bud. 
Mm -hmm. uh, animals know when to hibernate and come out of hibernation. Butterflies know how to fly across continents and come back again, yeah. like hummingbirds. You know, birds know where to migrate. So to think that our God created us mm -hmm. without this intelligence as well is really, it's really flawed. In fact, God says that we are created in his image. So why would he handicap us? and make it so that we can't live without all of this scientific medical intervention. That, that is actually pretty modern, relatively speaking to humanity. Exactly. Yeah. And see, I, I think the danger is, is when we take God out of the picture and we put man there. So it's like, you know, God failed us somehow. So now we're gonna trust man in white coats and lavatories dress from head to toe while they manipulate and work with viruses and bacteria and, and all of these crazy things they're making. We're going to trust that. Right. Over our, our immune system that God gave us. Doesn't look like it's working so well right now. Uh, <laughs> so I want to ask you, you said that the, um, the vaccines have a man-made virus in them, that it's not natural viruses. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, so how they get viruses in, in what they've been doing for years is they get viruses from decomposing body parts from either dead animals or dead humans, mm -hmm. or sometimes the live humans as, as, as in aborted babies. So they get viruses from different tissues they go into the lab, they reconstitute them, they multiply them, mm -hmm. and then they throw them into injections with a lot of carcinogenic man-made materials and say, oh, it's gonna cause your immune system to respond. Well, guess what, it does. But it doesn't only respond to the viruses or the bacteria, it responds to everything in the vaccine. And that's the problem. It's not so simple, people. It's not like, oh, you get a measles, mumps rubella vaccine and your immune system is going to learn from those mmr viruses and just learn it doesn't work like that that mmr virus has been manipulated in labs and has been put into these combination shots that are very unnatural you won't find them in nature like that yeah and they can they can tell the difference between natural measles virus Mm -hmm. And the one that's in a vaccine, they're very different. Mm -hmm. yeah. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. These are not natural. Now, if you if you're out and about and and your you know your children come down with chickenpox, you probably picked up a um, a normal you know uh, chickenpox uh, virus from just being out and about. That's called wild. Mm -hmm. And then your children will express chickenpox about a week later. In fact, when you, when you get exposed to it, you don't even know you're exposed for at least a week. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they start running their fever and they have the outbreak and guess what? Their body's already dealing with it and this is how it deals with it. So that's why once a child has measles or chicken pox or mumps, there's no treatment. You just have to, you know, you get it through them. You get them through it and you make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. So <clears throat> I believe that vaccinations are a download of disease and infirmity. It's like a software download of disease and infirmity. And, and when you get wild infection, your body knows how to respond appropriately and build natural immunity against it. 
-hmm. And as long as we understand what that looks like, right. then we're not afraid. Right. What were some of the biggest surprises? So I'm guessing you've been studying this for decades, literally. So yes. what did over you for four. Four, 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 four decades? So mm -hmm. what did your research? I, I'm I'm guessing there was kind of, you know, lots of turns and what did it look like when you first started? And then what were some things that really surprised you? And then how did that journey kind of shift? Well, the first thing I started learning, first of all. I had to order books. Mm -hmm. I had to order books and I have a huge library shelf of them. Okay. Um, everyone who writes a book on this topic is either a, an author, a scientist, a parent researcher. Um, these books are not easy books to write because you are under so much scrutiny. So the books that I've gotten over the years have been checked by attorneys and the science is there. They're all fully referenced. And these are very, very detailed written books. So mm -hmm. I had to order books mm -hmm. and how, how that worked is I would get my children to bed at night, open my books and highlight. And then I would go to my typewriter and I would type it up with like a, a, a quote or a phrase or an ingredient or whatever. I'd have to type it up on a regular typewriter. I'd have to go to our clinic and I would have to enlarge it like five or six times so that it was nice and big. And then I'd have to put it on a transparency that you show on an overhead projector. Okay, this is what I did. I mm -hmm. spent my evenings after my kids were in bed, sometimes mm -hmm. till three, four in the morning, reading, researching, typing, then enlarging and making over the overhead transparencies. And then when I got um, hired to speak or, or asked to speak for many years, I didn't charge, I just went. Mm -hmm. For many years, um, I just went wherever I could go I would carry my overhead projector, mm -hmm. all of my transparencies numbered, fully mm -hmm. referenced, and I would go through those and, and, and basically educate people. Then eventually it became a VCR, right? right, right. And eventually it became a DVD and sure. now it's download. So, I mean, you know, I've been through this whole process, Yeah. but the, the worst part about it was when you learn about the ingredients. Yeah. Oh my gosh, nobody would ever, ever think to inject this crap into their children. I remember you did the, uh, the apple at the yes. conference, right? That was, that was awesome. Yeah. And so I think the, the, like the one thing that I can share with you now mm -hmm. is I can talk to you about just the aluminum because we used to have thimerosal, right? Congress threw a fit for four years. There were congressional hearings. Mm -hmm. And finally, the pharmaceutical companies um, decided to reduce the thimerosal, which is a form of ethyl mercury, which is still in many vaccines. Mm -hmm. But they reduced it because of public pressure in Congress, and they decided to put aluminum in instead. But they didn't tell anybody about the dangers of aluminum. And so they snuck it in because vaccines are ineffective without an adjuvant. Right. So aluminum mm -hmm. is... Aluminum, one aluminum is also in all of our uh, chemtrails. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're spraying it like crazy. Absolutely. So anyway, I want to just reference here. Um, yeah. I am going to pull up my PowerPoint so I can make sure yeah. I reference it properly. So um, we would assume, all of us would assume that the aluminum in vaccines has been studied. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I mean, why would they inject brand new babies the day they're born with something that's a known neurotoxin right. and is not good, okay, to inject? Um, we're told not to cook with, with aluminum cookware. We, they had to start coating aluminum cans with the uh, uh, film on the inside so that we weren't toxic from aluminum in cans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, you know, I mean, they've gone through great measures to keep it out of our food. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's okay to inject it. And not <laughs> a little bit, a lot. So the only study done on the aluminum injected in infants had nothing to do with vaccines. It had to do with the parenterial nutrition an infant gets in the hospital when they're uh, born premature. So if you had a premature baby, mom and dad, and if your baby was in the hospital for a week or two or longer, they got IV nutrition, most likely, unless you were pumping your milk and giving it to your infant, which I strongly encourage. Um, But sometimes even if you're pumping, they say that the baby needs fluids and they need whatever. Well, that nutrition has a lot of alumina in it. So years ago, there was a, um, a study called the Aspen study, 1997, and they reduced the aluminum in the parenterial nutrition. They took 200 babies, in 100 of them, they reduced it. In another 100, they left it normal. And they followed those infants. And they noted when those babies were 18 months, they noted that they were having neurological problems, those that got the full load of, of aluminum, that they were having developmental neurological issues. And then they also followed them for, um, I think it was 13 years. And those kids also showed signs of bone density issues directly related to their aluminum. And their conclusion was that anything over 20 micrograms was considered toxic to the babies and could cause uh, um, renal failure, which is kidney failure, and could end up causing other problems, neurological problems. So remember, 20 micrograms is all, they said anything above that is not safe. So let's study, I'm sorry, I don't think I caught that. What year was the study? Oh, let me see here, let me see here, let me see here. Um, Let me pull up my slide, because I think it was 1997. I have to pull it up and make it bigger here so I can see it. Um, Yeah, you can actually Google it. Okay. Aspen, and it stands for American Society for Parenterial and Enteral Nutrition. That would be nutrition from IV and also nutrition babies get through their nose. Okay. And that was done 1994. Okay. 94. I'm glad you asked. Okay. So keep in mind their conclusion anything above 20 micrograms was considered not safe. So babies in the hospitals these days in this country and other countries, the the hospitals try to tell parents that their baby needs a hepatitis B vaccine. Now, hepatitis B is an infection of, it's it's a a, a liver infection and it's common among prostitutes and drug users. It's not a common childhood illness. Not exactly. No. (laughs) There aren't many infant uh, prostitute and drug users, so it's not the majority. It's a very, you know what, it's a completely unscientific vaccine because they say at best it will 
I don't agree that it, they work like they say, but they say at best it will protect your child for seven years. And I'm like, well, what baby is having sex or involved with IV drug use by the time they're seven years of age? So it's a very non-scientific. Very few. I don't care what doctor, I will take on a doctor anytime and talk about that vaccine because there's no way you can defend its use other than the fact that they developed it for the drug users and the prostitutes and they didn't want it. So back in the early nineties, they said, oh, well, let's give it to the babies. I'm sure it'll protect them. Wow. So your baby goes in now, if you're in the hospital, Mm-hmm. couple things you have a right to say no you have a right to say i do not want a hepatitis b vaccine for my child there's no law that says you have to have it they mm-hmm. might they might hassle you they might tell you that your child is going to die they might threaten you whatever just know you do not have to vaccinate your child with a happy vaccine okay. and that vaccination contains 250 micrograms of, of aluminum 250 micrograms Wow. So we're giving that to babies before they're 12 hours old. We're giving it to babies multiple times, not just once. That one vaccination is enough to cause brain injury. It's enough to cause autism, learning problems. It's enough to cause seizure disorders. One vaccination day of birth is enough to cause all kinds of health problems for that child. Wow. I know. But the doctors don't know this. You see, your doctor probably doesn't know this. And I hope you took notes, mom and dad. I hope you took notes because when they come to harass you and say, oh, well, if you don't give your baby vaccines, your baby's going to die. Look them in the eye and say, well, how much aluminum is in the vaccine? Right. And they won't, they won't know. <clears throat> so why, while you're going to your well baby visit, so they can measure their head and look in their ears and look in their nose and look in their mouth and talk to you while you're going to that visit, they're planning more vaccines, right? So this is how many vaccines have aluminum. (coughs) Excuse me. So the hep B vaccine, as I said, has 250 micrograms. They're going to get three of those. The hepatitis A vaccine, you get two of those. It has 250 micrograms of aluminum. Then they're going to get four DTaP which is the diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus, that each one of those has 625 micrograms of aluminum. They're going to get three Hib vaccines, which is for hemophilus, uh, um, you know, hemophilus uh, <coughs> influenza, excuse me. And they're going to get three of those at 225 micrograms of aluminum. And they're going to get four PCV vaccines which contains 125 micrograms of aluminum. So by the time your baby is 18 months, probably not not talking yet, sometimes not even walking, they're going to have 4,925 micrograms of aluminum. And that's not including the flu shot that they also give babies, which does contain thimerosal, And when you have aluminum and thimerosal together in the human body, we have no idea how that's going to affect their developing brain or their nervous system. So we are literally injecting more toxins 
into those babies before they're two and years of age than any human being has ever had on the face of the earth. Wow. And that's just one adjuvant. That's just one. That's just one. And there's, yeah. there's a lot in there, right? Oh, phenol, acetone, formaldehyde, um, 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 MSG, monosodium uh, glutamate. There's a use MSG product. vaccines? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And it's a very serious neurotoxin. Um, there's glyphosate in vaccines now. In fact, the MMR vaccine that they give to children at one year of age has like three times more glyphosate than all of the other vaccines. These things are toxic injections. And any doctor who says they're not doesn't know. They just don't know. They're ignorant. Wow. So. How many adjuvants are in a typical uh, child vaccine? <clears throat> well, it depends on the shot. It depends upon how many they're getting in one day. Right. A baby can get up to 13 vaccines in one visit. And another thing, all of these injections were approved by the FDA. Now, I have no faith and confidence in them. Mm -hmm. zero, but they were approved individually. So the measles vaccine was approved individually, the mumps approved, the rubella, and then it was the drug companies who decided that moms and dads were not going to go in and get like six or eight injections in, in, in their little infants. Mm -hmm. So they threw them in what we call cocktails. You see, vaccines are cocktails of multiple vaccines in one shot. There are some that are five and six in one. Never, never, never tested for safety. Wow. And you and I know that you don't take Tylenol and you don't take this and you don't take like five or six drugs at the same time. No, <laughs> they have contraindications. You bet. And all drugs have side effects. All drugs have direct effects. And many drugs people are allergic to. How would your infant, day one, two months old, four months old, six months old, know if, how would you know if they're allergic to something until they have a severe, severe reaction? And, and that could be seizure disorders. It could be sudden infant crib death. It could be, which is, is uh, basically respiratory failure. It could be, liver problems. Um, I know young children who've had liver transplants. It could be cancer in their brain. How many babies are right now suffering with cancers? Wow. What are, so obviously autism is one of the ones that we know uh, that a lot of people have drawn the, the parallel to vaccines. What are some of the other uh, diseases or ailments that are seem to conveniently correlate with an increase of certain vaccines or number. Okay. I will try to get my list up here because it's <laughs> extensive. It is extensive. <clears throat> By the way, when they say that they've studied vaccines during those congressional hearings, they studied one ingredient, thimerosal. That's it. They studied, um, they never looked at the combination vaccines. There are 17 other vaccines that contain all this other crap they never looked at. So that's all not true. 
when they say, oh, they've studied it all. They haven't. So off the top of my head, because I don't know where it is in my slides, I have so many. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I, I have so many um, lectures. It's unbelievable. Okay, ready? Yep. ADD, ADHD, autism, all the spectrum, asthma, depression, anxiety, allergy, seizure disorder, cancer, neurological disorders, narcolepsy, which is where kids can't stay awake, alopecia, which is hair loss, dyslexia, eating disorders, gut disorders, uh, irritable bowel disease, blindness, deafness, learning problems, obesity, failure to thrive, children who are socially inept, cognitive, cognitive dysfunction, uh, allergies, food allergies, and I can explain all that, arthritis, asthma, all kinds of autoimmune diseases, chronic fatigue, demyelinization, which causes seizure disorders. Uh, the myelin code is something that a child develops the first five years of life. It's like, it's like um, an electrical cord mm -hmm. on our nervous system, right? Vaccine toxicity breaks that down. And when that happens, the result is severe neurological damage, seizure disorders, and a million other things, okay? Um, diabetes, oh my gosh, many vaccines affect the islets of the pancreas and screw the whole pancreas up, leading to diabetes. And then encephalopathy is brain swelling, inflammation of the brain, inflammation of the lungs is asthma. Inflammation everywhere is what it causes. Wow. So we have seen a huge rise in uh, food allergies, especially, especially in children. What is the correlation between the vaccines and food allergies? Okay. So food belongs in the stomach, in the mm -hmm. digestive system, right? Right. Well, when you take food products, mm -hmm. like wheat products, parts of a uh, pig protein, Mm -hmm. peanut oil, adjuvant 65, wheat products, cow products, which are bovine. And you use those to make vaccines as well as chicken eggs. And instead of eating, all of a sudden we're putting it into the arm or the leg. Your body's going like, what the heck is this doing in here? Yeah. And it attacks it. You create white blood cells, they attack it and they get rid of it. It doesn't belong in the bone. It doesn't belong in the blood system. It doesn't belong in our fluid highway system. It doesn't belong in the muscles and it doesn't belong in the brain. And we have been using all of these products that children are allergic to. We've been using them in vaccines for the last 25 to 30 years. Before that, we didn't have peanut allergies. I grew up with 10 brothers and sisters. And every, I grew up outside of Detroit, Michigan. Everybody had peanut butter and jelly. Mm -hmm. Everybody ate peanut butter cookies. You know, it, peanut butter and jelly was a staple in my house. Now, all of a sudden, children are allergic to it. Yeah, Why? my sister's anaphylactic to peanut. Yeah, and it's yeah, now it's morphed into other, uh, other like nuts and legumes and yeah. Exactly, because they're similar in genetic makeup. So now it's not just peanut butter, it's nut trees of all kinds. Yeah. And different oils, right? Mm -hmm. So when you inject something into the body that belongs in the digestive system yeah. and your body attacks it, and this is how it happens. Yeah. Mom goes in and, you know, doing what mommies, good mommies do. She takes her baby in for her vaccines and the baby gets multiple vaccines. And one of the adjuvants is adjuvant 65. 
mm-hmm. peanut oil. And mommy goes back in two months later and gets more vaccines, a little bit more peanut oil. The, the body's going, what the heck? What is this? Attacks it, builds immunity against it, takes it away. Then assault again, assault. So every time the baby gets a vaccine with it, it's assaulting the body. The body's learning about it. And now it's increasing its inflammatory reaction to it. And then the baby's about a year old and gets a peanut butter cookie or a peanut butter cracker or a little taste of peanut butter on something and goes into a full body rash, eczema, or starts having you know severe screaming or crying or a seizure, whatever. It can look so many different ways. And the mother runs to the doctor's office and the doctor says, oh, your baby's having a reaction to something at eight. Um, let's give it Benadryl and antihistamine. But they don't know what it is yet. Right. Because mom didn't correlate it. And then they go back and the baby gets some more vaccines and baby's a little older now and gets another dose of peanut butter. And this time has a bigger severe action and reaction. And mom says, oh my gosh, I gave my baby peanut butter. And now the baby's broken out with eczema everywhere and crying, you know? And it can be eczema in your joints, around the toes, behind the ears. You know, it's, it's awful. I see it all the time in children. They go back to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, we got to do a food allergy test. Oh, your baby's severely allergic to any kind of peanut. And they never, ever, ever, ever say why. Right. They don't ask why. Why, can, why could my generation, and I'm in my 60s, why could all of us eat all of this stuff without problems? We grew up with eggs and wheat and dairy and, and you know, why? Right. The doctors don't ask why. So because if they start asking why, they mm-hmm. have to probe deep enough to figure it out. Figure it out. So they do, I mean, there is an argument to be made that a lot of these products of which you speak are very different today than what they were back then. You know, a lot of uh, peanuts, for instance, are very heavily GMO. Uh, a lot of the wheat, you know, gluten has something like 10 times the gluten in it now uh, yes. than it did in previous yes. generations. So a lot <laughs> of these things, you know, and the, uh, certainly animal products are now being pumped with antibiotics and hormones and they're being brain yes. finished instead of grass fed. And so I, you know, so one could look at that and say, well, maybe that's part of the equation. What are your thoughts? And on it that? is. Okay. I don't argue with that at all. In mm-hmm. fact, I believe autism is the perfect storm. Babies come out. Well, first of all, mommies are getting vaccinated while they're pregnant. And they're also doing drugs while they're pregnant. And they're also maybe doing Tylenol, which has acetaminophen in it, which by the way, is the number one reason for liver failure in this country. Um, People can go to my website, childhoodshots.com. And under my articles, I have a full study on the use of Tylenol and liver failure in this country and how it has acetaminophen in it, which is terrible to take any time, let alone while you're pregnant. Right. It actually kills babies' liver cells while they're developing. Um, and you know, so mommies are not doing a really good job of protecting themselves, right. uh, chemtrails, food products, whatever. So I think autism is a perfect storm, but I think, you can do really good at avoiding a lot of those man-made foods, uh, eating, like you said, grass-fed. We can only do so much. Sure. And, I, and I encourage that. 
Mm -hmm. um, but the bottom line is we're injecting our children with stuff that I think is the number one culprit. Because you, you asked me a good question earlier and I didn't get to answer it. I think two of my children would yeah. have been severely injured. Yeah. And I think I start by telling you, I had natural home birth, uh, no antibiotics, no drugs, right. no over-the-counter meds, right. children raised with chiropractic care, healthy lifestyle. I cooked home at home most of the time, 80% of the time, um, had a healthy lifestyle. I didn't have cable TV. Uh, I was home educating four of my five. So I did a lot of right things. Yeah. And yeah. still two of my children have um, a genetic SNP called the MTHFR gene. Yeah, I, I have it too. Yeah. Okay. And I have it. Now, mm -hmm. my theory, and again, this is a theory, a hypothesis. Sure. I got vaccinated as a child and I had some eczema issues and I had some GI issues as a child. My vaccines injured me and flipped something in my epigenetics because epigenetics can be flipped on and off. Sure. And for those of you who don't know it, um, our genetics are like, if you compare us to a computer, our genetics are like, are like the hard drive, right. the hardware. Right. Our epigenetics are like the software. Right. And our computer can have issues in the software, viruses, mm -hmm. like how amazingly they call it viruses. <laughs> it can have issues in the software, which causes it to malfunction. Mm -hmm. We can have issues in our software, which is our epigenetics, mm -hmm. and it, it switches on and off. So in the process of learning and researching, um, we did some genetic testing in my family. Mm -hmm. I found out that I have a couple of the MTHFR SNPs. Mm -hmm. My daughter, Leah, had three times more than me, even though she wasn't vaccinated. She had some toxic exposures and she ended up very ill for six years. And then I have another child that I suspect has SNPs. Actually, we just got his genetics done and he has three times more SNPs than she does. And we're working on some health concerns with him. So I know if those two children would have gotten vaccinated, they would have been probably as severe as you could get. Wow. Because when they were young, they would have gotten the DTAP. I'm right. sorry, the DPT, which was the diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus vaccine. And it didn't get attenuated until the late 1990s. They would have gotten the very, very dangerous DTP vaccine, which I have met dozens and dozens of young people who are in wheelchairs, crippled up on feeding tubes and completely incapable of function because of that vaccine. Wow. So I really thank God that I didn't vaccinate those two kids because I know they would have been severely injured. Absolutely. Wow. I, I have yeah. heard that about the uh, MTFHR, right? Is that and, and there's much more. That's only one SNP that's identified there are many, many, many other SNPs that can get turned on and off. One of them actually shuts down your detox pathway in the brain. And it's part of the MTHFR. So when you have these kids who are exposed to toxins through mommy or whoever, and these things shut down and they get a vaccination, 
their body is not going to detox like your like yours might and and they might end up more severely injured that's why people say well there's a lot of people who get vaccines and they're perfectly fine right well i don't know that they're perfectly fine um you know wait till they live 30 years 40 years let's see what kind of cancers they might have let's see what type of other problems they might have and let's see what's going on in their own genetics and let's see what happens to their children when their children are born because it flips the switch in all of these areas. And so those are the lucky ones whose body for whatever reason handled the toxic load and didn't flip off or on. Wow. I, don't, I don't think they're okay. I think they're gonna have issues and I think their children are gonna have issues. They just don't know about it yet. And those might be the children who maybe have cancer when they're 30 or whose own children have autism or learning problems or whatever. There's so many things that can go wrong. We don't know that they're okay. Yeah, that's, that's really, really sad. Um, I wanted to ask you about the, some of the legal stuff that has happened because there have been some changes, you know, like uh, the Vaccine Compensation Act of 1986 and it, certainly after that, definitely different states are different, but I know in California, for instance, there was a dramatic increase yearly every year since that law was put into place. So I'm curious how much you know about that and what, yes. so, yeah, and some of the politics and legalities around it, yeah. Oh my goodness. So we do have it where the vaccine manufacturers are completely shielded from mm -hmm. all liability. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, that's a private industry. Mm -hmm. No private industry should be completely shielded from financial liability because then there's no motivation whatsoever to make sure that your product is safe, right. to make sure it's effective, to make sure that it's thoroughly researched because they don't care. The bottom line is these companies who are making all these vaccines, <laughs> If I can find it, I hope I, I think I have this, this talk open. Um, these are the companies who get sued all the time for injuries and, and people trust them. Okay. I'm trying to see if I have this in my one talk I have open, but Pfizer, Moderna, listen to this. These are the companies that make our vaccines. Pfizer was forced to pay 2.3 billion for fraudulent marketing for regular drugs. That's a lot of money. And that was in 2009. And I encourage people just, all you got to do is Google or go into dog pile, um, lawsuits Pfizer. And you'll see that what I'm talking about is real. Lawsuits Moderna, lawsuits Johnson and Johnson, lawsuits Merck. And you're going to see that these are the same people that make vaccinations and are not held liable. Moderna used to be called Bioport. Bioport was the maker of the anthrax vaccine. Anthrax vaccine was deadly. And I know people who died from it in the, in the service. They mandated it for all the service people, but they used to be called, they used to be called Bioport. Um, but because of their bad reputation, they became Moderna. How do you like that? Johnson and Johnson. Modern RNA, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Johnson and Johnson. Oh, I just lost my slide. Hold on one second. Yeah. Johnson and Johnson is the company now facing around 
thousand different lawsuits across the United States about pertaining to talc products, artificial hips, implants, and blood thinners. The blood thinner they own is called Zoralto. Imagine that. They're making a vaccine for everybody to take, and they're being sued by 50,000 different lawsuits right now. So these are the people you're going to trust with an experimental messenger RNA injection? Come on. Wow. Mark Twain. Mark Twain said it's easier for people to be fooled right. than for them to be convinced that they have been fooled. Yeah. So yeah. basically, vaccinations, I believe, and based on immunology, not Mary's opinion, mm. are probably the worst thing we are doing to humanity in the history of medicine. Wow. So when you talked about the uh, Vaccine Compensation Act, I, that, that shielding, giving them, uh, you know, impunity, yeah. I thought there was like a component uh, that said that that was contingent upon theirs being accurate. And I find it really interesting that they're always saying that VAERS is only 1% and so we can't go based on VAERS. So then doesn't that mean that they don't actually have impunity? No, well, no, no, no. Basically what it is, how it works is yeah. there is the vaccine adverse event reporting system. Yeah. It is dependent on doctors and nurses filing complaints that come in after vaccination. Right. And congressional hearings discovered that number one, doctors and nurses don't want to take the time. Number two, they always say 99% of the time will say, oh, that's not related to a vaccine. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that from thousands and thousands of parents over the last 40 years who say, my child came home from the doctor's office, had a high-pitched scream, we couldn't console the baby, took it to the hospital, the hospital said, give it medication or Tylenol or whatever, go back home, the baby never is the same, the baby never looks at us anymore, the baby never coos anymore, the child never is the same. They're completely changed. Well, doctors and nurses aren't going to say, oh, we're responsible. Right. So very few ever get reported. Secondly, the money that is in the VAERS program, it's actually the compensation system, um, is from a 75 cent tax that is put on all vaccinations. It's not the pharmaceutical companies that are paying that money. It is coming from the taxes. So really, the parents are paying it when they get a vaccine. And I'm going to try to open up another lecture here um, that basically, if I can get it up here, um, what that's going to do is it's going to tell you how much they paid just recently. So let me get into another lecture. I'm hoping I can find it. Oh, let's see. Oh, I'll try my, I was at the Red Pill Expo. Oh, my computer says, and I think I presented it there. But they have spent, they have spent billions of dollars in compensation. Billions, okay? Wow. Not just a little bit, lots and lots and lots of money. Let's see, I was at the Let's Go Brandon. Oh my goodness, my computer's saying it can't open these things right now. What's going on? But take my word for it, folks. 
this, when you go, if you have an injured child and you file a complaint to VAERS, you then can also file a claim through the vaccine compensation system. They have 17 minimal, 17 full-time attorneys working against you. You're not allowed to take your children into the courtroom when you do get a court date. You, you basically have to prove that the vaccine was the thing that injured your children. And if it's not listed as one of the common vaccine injuries, they won't even hear it. For those of you who think that autism um, is, is not mentioned, it's mentioned in many of their um, the inserts that go with vaccinations, but they're actually eliminating the word autism from them as we speak. They're always trying to cover their tracks. But um, all I can say is if you have an injured child, there's a good chance you'll never get a penny. You're gonna have to take care of that child for the rest of its life. That child will not have the quality of life, the quantity of life that it deserved. And so parents should just really need to stop doing anything until you get fully educated on this topic. Wow, well, thank you. Um, I, I know we'll, we'll wrap up soon. I wanted to ask you just okay. two more questions. Sure. Uh, one is in terms of what's happening uh, right now, I, I think we're seeing like, obviously with COVID and everything, there, there's the COVID vaccine, they're really ramping sure. up. But I feel like this has been a trajectory. So, you know, there was a doctor, I don't know if you're familiar with back in 2009, who said that she was fleeing because they were gonna come and mandate vaccines for everybody and kill everybody with vaccines. And back in 2009, of course, everybody thought she was crazy, but now it's seeming not quite so crazy. Yes. To Pan Panama. <laughs> so yes. I, I'm curious your thoughts on how, how that all ties together. Well, they've had that agenda for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, people like Bill Gates, mm -hmm. uh, Paul Offit, who's like a really um, prominent pro-vaccine guy. Um, they've had their agenda for a long time. Bill Gates is in a TED talk and you can find it on YouTube if you look really hard. And yeah. he has a TED talk where he's saying that we have to reduce the population. Right. We have to reduce the population down to zero. And the best way to do it is through better family planning, which is birth control, better family services, which he's referring to abortion, which um, his father started Planned Parenthood, by the way, yep. Bill Gates' yep. dad. And then the third thing he says is better vaccination. So when you think about that, how do vaccines reduce population? It either kills people or it sterilizes them. And I believe they're doing both. I believe that vaccines are causing ovarian failure. I think that there are thousands of people, even this new so-called vaccine, which it's not, it's an injection. It is an operating system that people have gotten. Um, it is causing sperm cells to die. It's causing ovarian issues. It's causing blood clots in the uterus, which often will lead to a hysterectomy. Um, it's causing a lot of problems. So I think that they're being highly successful in their agenda to reduce population. Yeah, it just, it seems that way. It does. Yes. I think that TED Talk was from 2011. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. I know there was an article in the Sovereign uh, Magazine, it was 2011. 
Uh, yes. but I've seen the TED talk. I have seen that. Yeah, that's and the aborted tissue issue. Now, if you're a Christian and you mentioned California, New York, several states have removed the religious exemption. Yeah. So this is very dangerous, very, very, very dangerous, folks. Because if you're a Christian like myself, I'm pro-life, number one. Um, number two, I do not feel it is safe, effective, or even been studied what happens when you inject human tissue into another human being. And we know now that it can lead to autoimmune problems. Um, so anyway, vaccinations do contain aborted fetal cell lines. And I will actually get into my talk here um, about which ones actually are made. So right now, um, let's see which ones. I'll mention which ones are made with aborted fetal cell tissue. Well, a lot of them are. <clears throat> They've approved several now to be made with aborted human tissue as well. Um, let me get to my slide. Where are you? Okay, up here. I have a very large talk in front of me. Give me a second. Mm -hmm. So what they do, folks, is they used to take um, um, children who were aborted and they used to take their, go through their body looking for viruses. Now they found out that it's much better to keep the children alive. So the children are born alive. Um, it's also more advantageous for those children to be five months um, gestated, uh, meaning they're five months developed before they take them because then their kidneys and everything are working at that point. Um, and they take these babies alive, they're birthing them alive, they keep them alive. And then those babies are sent off for vaccine development and other drug development through those, you know, that's what it is. So it's, it's really awful to think about that, but it's a fact that that's how they're, they're making vaccines with aborted fetal cell tissue. Yeah, I do know that it's the uh, HEK line. Is that what it's called? Yeah, there are several. There's PCR6 and people can Google this. You yeah. can find it. PCR6 is a human retinal cell from an eye. It was isolated from an aborted fetus in 1985 and is used in making the flu vaccines. The SARS vaccine was manufactured using aborted fetal lung tissue called diploid tissue, MCR5, and that was a 14-week-old aborted Caucasian male infant. Other immortal cell lines using human fetal cells uh, from elective abortions are listed as WI38, which is a human another human dip, diploid tissue. HEC-293 is a kidney, uh, is kidney tissue obtained from an aborted uh, child. And unfortunately, we are now starting to see that many, many vaccines, I'm gonna to try to enlarge in this, um, are made using aborted fetal tissue. The, let's see, influenza, MMR, uh, chickenpox, uh, pneumococcal vaccine. Uh, let's see. I don't think I have a complete list in front of me. Let me see if I can find it. But anyway. Oh, yeah. maybe I can find it. But anyway, lots of vaccines are used now um, making, you know, because when you take animal tissue yeah. and you get viruses off of animal tissue, you end up getting animal viruses along with it. And that can cause other problems. And when they discovered that 
HIV and AIDS many times is related to animal tissue, right. uh, animal viruses. They switched over to human tissue and that's why they mm. use it. Oh, interesting. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, if you have anything else that you want to add and definitely like give, you know, maybe some words of, if you have any words of comfort for parents or for people uh, who have yes. been injected and uh, advice moving forward. Yeah. First of all, I've also been researching how to help children who are on the autism spectrum recover or get better. It has been done. Uh, it used to be where you could go on YouTube and you could find hundreds of YouTube videos of parents who are covering their children from autism. Yeah. You see, if you know what causes it and you know how their body's been injured yeah. and you address those injuries, many times you can reverse the injury because the human body is amazing. It wants to heal and repair, but they have taken all of that off of YouTube now. Um, I do consultations with people whose children are vaccine injured. And I don't give medical advice, but what I do is I help you, I help direct you on how you can begin the process of healing your children and improving their health. There's no guarantee that they'll get 100% better. There's no guarantee that, that we're able to, I, I don't even use the word cure because that's not always possible, but we can definitely improve the quality of life. And in some of these children, they're in so much pain that even a little bit of improvement is major for them. Whether it's gut pain, um, food allergy issues, but I do consultations with people to talk about all of the different lab testing that might be required because there's a lot of lab testing involved to figure out how they were injured. And then I can help them find what I call a functional medical doctor in their area. You see regular traditional doctors don't know anything about this, mm -hmm. but a functional medical doctor has walked away from traditional allopathic medicine because they know it's causing harm. They know that drugs are not the answer. They know that people are getting sick from it mm -hmm. and yet they love being involved and they've become functional doctors. Right. They can go to training, um, the um, Institute for Functional Medicine, Mm -hmm. is taking doctors from all different walks and teaching them how to not only heal children with autism or help them recover somewhat, but also adults who are sick. So it's not just about kids. Mm -hmm. The human body is always trying to heal and repair, but sometimes it means detoxing, cleansing, looking at nutritional deficiencies, looking at heavy metal toxicity, looking at gut bugs, and, and how their gut, their digestive system's been destroyed. Um, uh, acknowledging the gut-brain connection. You know, what happens in the gut happens in the brain. Yeah, we have more neurotransmitters in our gut than in our brain, for sure. Exactly. But doctors are just beginning to catch on to this. Right. Whereas there are many naturopathic physicians, homeopathic physicians, chiropractors, um, uh, integrative medical doctors that have known this for years. Right. And so... When you take a child who's been injured or if a person's been injured, you have to figure out how, where, when, why. And once you begin to unravel that, you begin to address it, the human body repairs, the human body heals. Mm -hmm. And so 
I want people to know that there's hope out there. Mm -hmm. okay. Now it's not going to be easy and it might be expensive. Um, I think you might have to give up having two cars and, and, and you might have to, you know, get a second mortgage or you might have to give up vacations. There has to be something you give up if you can't afford it because your children are counting on you. And so it's, it might cost a lot out of pocket. And they say the average child to recover could be anywhere from 20 to a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. But it can be done. And it might even be as simple as getting them off of gluten and casein. Sometimes just getting them on a clean gluten casein diet and eliminating sugar and addressing gut bugs like candida yeast. There's so much we can do for these children. So I want you to have hope out there. And if you're an adult who's injured, believe me, I have seen adults get injured just like children through vaccinations and through other environmental toxicity. You can recover your body and do better too. So people can go to my website or they can begin the journey of researching all of this. I can make it easier on you by leading you and directing and guiding you. I mean, this is one of the things I do. Mm -hmm. So I wanna give people hope. Secondly, I wanna leave you with an analogy. Mm -hmm. And this analogy is my apple analogy. And when I do my lectures, I actually have a big apple. It's a, a, a foam apple right. and it has injections in it. And I say to people, and you can use this analogy. If I took an apple and I injected it with a bunch of mercury or a bunch of aluminum and some phenol and some acetone and some glyphosate and some MSG, and a ton of aluminum, would you eat the apple? Nope, <laughs> I wouldn't. And I've used this in restaurants because I'm, this is my thing. You know, I turned around and I see a mom sitting there with three children mm -hmm. and we start talking and I tell her her children are beautiful. And, and I say, well, you know, I'm an independent vaccine researcher and I hand her my card, which has all the ingredients, a lot of ingredients on it. and. And I say, and I've been researching for, you know, 35, 40 years. And this one, one that comes to mind, she says, oh, well, I'm a nurse. And I, I, you know, I went to nursing school and I, I understand vaccines and mm -hmm. I, I vaccinate my children. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, she did not learn about what's in vaccines. Guaranteed. Second of all, doctors do not know what's in a vaccine. Guaranteed, they get at best a half a day of education on anything related to vaccines, okay? That's a fact. So I know in my heart that she thinks she's aware and she thinks she knows. She's just learned how to give them and how to store them and how to prepare them. And she's learned the lingo to talk to mom and dad about how to do them. My point is I looked at her and I gave her the apple analogy. I said, well, yeah, I, I hear you. You know, I understand you're a nurse. And, mm -hmm. But if I took an apple and I injected phenol and acetone and aluminum and mercury and, and MSG and, and, and how about some glyphosate in that apple, would you eat it? She said, well, no. And I said, well, that's common vaccine ingredients. Mm -hmm. If it's not safe to eat, why would you inject it? 
And she had that deer in the headlight look like, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. So it'll give her something to think about. And this is something else. Mm -hmm. If you want cards, if you want my cards, Mm -hmm. you can email me, mary at marytoko.com. And I'll send you 20 or 30 cards. And if you, you know, I don't even take donations online, but if you feel compelled to send me a donation, great. If not, that's okay. But I will send you some of my cards. I can email people as well. If people want my email, mary at marytoko.com, I will send you a letter I wrote about aborted fetal tissue and vaccines that you can give to your pastor, your preacher, your your friends, your pro-life people, or just give it away. I don't care. It's two pages. I will email that absolutely free. Just send me an email requesting it. Um, I, I give out information free all the time. My website has tons of articles on there for free. So, you know, this is about reaching people and helping people. Thank you. And your, your website is marytoko.com? Either that or childhoodshots.com. They all go to the same place. Okay. Um, and my web, my email is mary at marytoko.com. And my telegram is info. So you can find me there where all kinds of stuff get posted. Yeah. But And if you are out there and you want to have me come speak to your community, yeah. I speak all over the country. Um, this year alone, I've probably spoken face-to-face to I'm guessing four or 5,000 people already. Wow, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so I have other lectures lined up already. Um, I'll go anywhere in the country. You just have to pay my way and get me there and make it happen. Amazing. Well, if you have anything else, otherwise, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and you're, you're welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. I hate, you know, sharing good information with people and waking up the world out there. Trying. (laughs) I know. You're very welcome. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.